0: Hey, lunch! Champs Lunch! Hey. What's up, buddy? Hey, hey, look.
1: What's up, Schmodown fans, and welcome to the first official episode of Champs Lunch. I'm your host, Scott Harvey, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Scott Shelton. For those of you who aren't familiar with our show, we have another podcast actually called Some Like It, Scott, on which we do bi-weekly movie reviews and movie news segments uh, and just generally talk about what's going on in the world of film. But you may or may not know that we used to talk about uh, the schmodown on our show, Some Like It, Scott. We used to have a brief segment discussing it but we've decided now, in order to do justice to what our favorite thing on the internet is, the Movie Trivia Schmodown, uh, we're going to be doing a monthly episode recapping everything that's gone on in the month in the Movie Trivia Schmodown called Champ's Lunch. Uh, if you, you may have listened to our, our year-in-review episode that we did last month, but this is our first official episode as we will be recapping everything that's gone on in the Schmodown since the live event, which kicked off the season up until... The Inner title match this past week, but before we do that, Scott, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk about the Schmodown in a more dedicated format. Like you said, of course, we used to do this almost you know every other week, basically, and you know we're we're stretching the time out between uh, recording sessions for movie trivia talk or movie trivia Schmodown talk specifically. But it's something that I'm really excited about. We get to spend, you know, however long it is, next 45 minutes to an hour, just talking about the the schmodown, which, you know, we both watch religiously, both uh, big supporters over on the Patreon page, and would encourage everyone to, if you are able, definitely go join and be a patron over there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's been so much that has happened already since, you know, just that that live event a month ago. It's hard to believe it's, it's only been a month. And I was, when I was preparing for this episode, I was just looking back through all that's happened already. And man, we do, we certainly have a packed episode here to kick things off. Uh, but you know, to make things easier for our discussion, I figure we could just break things up by the three divisions that we have seen, uh, so far. Of course, the singles division, the teams division, and the inner geekdom division haven't had any Star Wars matches yet, but some of those will be coming up. And, We'll just be discussing what's going on in each division, matches, kayfabe, whatever you know the hot topics are. And so, why don't we get right into it then with the singles division? You know, this is the the, the original division in the movie Sh- Trivia Schmoe Still, probably the biggest division of all. We get a match every Friday, uh, and of course, the biggest storyline so far in the first month of the season was right there in that first live event. Dan Merle, the Goat, as many would say, as I would say, uh, has won the. Movie trivia, Schmodown singles championship for the third time, defeating Ethan Irwin in that event. And what I think, you know, everyone would agree was a banger of a match. Um, I know, Scott, I know you're a big Ethan supporter, but I think you have to respect
0: what Merle did here. Oh, 100%. You know, I think people who did listen to our Schmodown uh, 2018 in review episode will know that I did think that Irwin would squeak out a win here uh, against, against Merle in that first live event uh, that first kind of big set piece of the season you get right out of the gates but absolutely Dan Merle he he got TKO'd by Ethan the first time they played each other in the uh, ultimate Schmodown uh, singles tournament last year but you know he was dead set on making sure that that didn't happen this time and not only did did the TKO not happen he came out on top and he absolutely uh, deserves it I I obviously joined I guess this isn't obvious but you know I joined the Schmodown bandwagon thanks and you know Primarily and kind of exclusively because of of you getting me into it, but mainly at the beginning of last season, the at the beginning of season five. So I never was around, and I honestly haven't gone back and watched all of the episodes, uh, all of the matches pre season five. So I'm not as I'm not an OG Dan supporter. I, I you know I I like seeing him in matches. He's obviously one of the best of all time, definitely in the greatest of all time conversation. And it was great to see him you know win that belt again you know for me having since joining the series him winning that belt for the first time it was a special moment yes I, I was pulling for Ethan and in the future I will pull for Ethan especially if they were to get a rematch against each other again I would be pulling for Ethan but it's still great and I and I have to respect everything that Dan Merrill has been able to accomplish including this win
1: yeah no it it was uh it was pretty awesome to see him win and I, and you know I think once again, you know, we've talked about it with Mark Riley, but I think this is just another example of that ring rust is very real in the Schmodown. I mean, when when Merle came back, you know, obviously dropping that first match to Andrew Guy, one of the biggest upsets ever. Um and then, you know, he 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 did seem to be sort of sleepwalking a little bit even through matches after that. Even some of the matches he won, he wasn't lighting it up like I knew that Dan Merle, you know, like like Dan Merle was known for doing, but uh, this I think was was maybe the first match where, uh, and and maybe that match he had against Stacy Howard as well in the Ultimate Shmoadown. I think the first match is where we've really seen okay, he's fully back now, and I think that whoever his next challenger may be is is definitely going to have their hands full because I think you're not going to be dealing with a rusty Dan anymore.
0: Yeah, you know he he turned it he turned it on for his matches against Stacy and his and his match against. Clark Wolf to, to get to that, uh, to get her, his shot of the title here, to get into to New York. But you're right, in, in the set piece and against, I, I guess in a big set piece and against a formidable, formidable opponent in the form of Ethan Irwin, he really, it required him to be at his best to win. Uh, you know, you could argue that he could pull out wins against Stacey and even against Clark when in Clark's kind of um, beleaguered state at the end of the season, likely focusing a lot on that team title match to retain the team belt with her partner, Rachel Cushing but you see it here uh, Dan had it went down to the wire and it was it was a great match uh, all the respect to Dan and Ethan we've seen it before will bounce back he, he you know after his his lost to Draco Erwin uh, bounced right back when in the singles tournament came back firing on all cylinders against Chance and then you know so on and so forth in the tournament and I expect the same here
1: yeah and a little bit later we'll talk about how Ethan uh, is going to get his chance maybe to bounce back sooner rather than later Um, And maybe get get another shot, get right back in the the ring against Dan pretty soon. But, of course, this match was the main event of the New York live event. But we also had an undercard singles match between two rookies from last year, uh, Chance Ellison and Janine the Machine, with Chance coming out on top in another very close match. I think, again, we saw Janine maybe a little bit haunted by the round three blues. What do you think about the trajectory for both of these competitors going forward, Scott?
0: Yeah, you know, it was always tough for Chance, so, you know, his one singles match last season being against Ethan Irwin, who, of course, ultimately went on to to end the 2018, end of season five, with holding the belt. So it's hard to fault Chance. But that being said, I think that he got this reputation of, oh, well, even before he came out, he got a reputation for being overrated. And I think that was probably only uh, amplified after he went 0-1 in his first match in singles. And yes, he lost Ethan Irwin, but sometimes people don't look to see who it was against and so, you know, he, I think he came into the season under a lot of pressure, even though I don't necessarily, that's not necessarily deservedly so. But he came into this match, I think, with a lot of pressure on him to actually get a win in the singles division. Of course, he had his success with uh, Mike Kalinowski in, in the Ultimate Shwin on Teams tournament, Anarchy tournament, last year. But we hadn't yet seen that in singles. And every time I see the, ma- the machine play, just to kind of switch gears for a second here and talk about the other side of the coin, I always think she's really great. I think she is really great here. But she has really struggled in the third round. The third round blues, as, as you put it, I think is right. I, I think the kind of the, the epitome of which was certainly in the collider collision last year in the three way against between herself, Stacy Howard and mm. Mark Andrico, where all she had to do is hit one of her third round questions. I mean, just her two pointer would have done it for her. And, and Mark Andrico ended up coming out on top in that match, probably not feeling like he deserved it. And I think that that round three pressure, often in times of how we've seen it plague. William Bibiani or even Drew McGuiney who we might talk about a little bit later I think that these are all examples of players who are really great some better than others of course I think you know Drew and 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 Bibiani are some of the absolute greatest in rounds 1 and 2 and Machine is you know no chump herself she's she's quite confident very good player and is going to do big things she just needs to get that one, that first win even if it's a, even if it's a TKO but preferably that first win where she answers some round 3 questions she gets them right gets a little bit confidence in that round because when she starts clicking and hitting those gears in the third round, the way she's hitting it in the first and second round, I think she's going to get to that next level. She's going to not—I mean, I don't know whether she would beat Chance. Um, it, you know, every time she would play him, if she were getting all of her round three questions correct, but she certainly would be winning some of those matches, and and I think that she'd also be winning some of those matches against the bigger players as well, you know, like Andrico, like other players that she's faced in the past, and maybe suffered in round three against. I think she'd have a really good chance. And then if we talk about this match, you're absolutely right. Round three blues hit, and chance came out on top. I personally was playing for chance, but I still really like uh, Janine. I actually I think I like her more and more every time I watch her play. Actually,
1: yeah. And we say round three blues. She did actually, you know, answer I believe one or two questions right in round three, but it was that five pointer which ultimately killed her, which is understandable. I mean those those five pointers are always tough. They're the toughest questions in the match. But I think you're right. I think she will be a lot more comfortable going forward when she gets one of those five pointers, right? Maybe even, even if she ends up losing the match after getting a five pointer or something like, I think just getting that monkey off of her back uh, will will help her go forward because she's absolutely shown that she belongs and has the, the skill to go further. But I mean, yeah, chance Ellison, you're right. He, this is, I think the first match we've really seen him in singles wise, where he had competition that was probably on his level. And He proved why Christian picked him out of the fan leagues. And I think we're going to be hearing his name a lot more, whether it's in teams, like you said, with corruption or in singles. He's he's definitely a very promising despite his young age.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're going to see him, to your point, in the team's division before we see him again in singles, because I believe that uh, in the coming month, Mm -hmm. in the month of March, the corruption is playing the world's finest.
1: That is correct. I want to move on there to talk about, you know, someone you mentioned just a second ago, and that's Drew McQueenie. And yeah, you want to talk about round three blues. Nowhere was that more exemplified in what happened in his match against someone else who, like Dan Merle, is on a comeback tour, and that's Mark Riley. where Drew sort of had control of the match for the first two rounds. Riley was kind of just hanging around. I want to say he, he was trailing by four or five points going into the third round of this match, and... McQueenie just kind of melted down in the in the third round and Riley was able to to pull out an unlikely win. Definitely his first, well, I, it is his first singles win since uh, making his return to the Schmo uh, So I, I imagine that's going to be a big confidence booster for him going forward. And we'll definitely uh, see him back in contention for the title soon, I
0: think. You're right. You know, Drew McQueenie, I love the guy and you can he, you know, he produced some of the best moments in season five, with his, particularly with his partner, Sam Levine, and in the team's division when they uh, first they took down the Patriots you know, after their, what was it, six or seven title defenses? I forget the actual name. I think it was six mm-hmm. title defenses. You know, finally losing, and then and then at the collider collision with the Ironman match between above the line and, and the Patriots, you know, one of the moments of 2018, in my opinion. And so you can't help but love Drew McQueenie coming into this match when you see him in the singles division competing on his own, especially because, you know, he's kind of been left out in the cold in some some respects by Sam Levine, you know, getting the team belt, retaining the team belt, and then saying, you know, kind of dropping the mic and saying goodbye, which it's got to be tough, right? And, you know, Drew probably drew a lot of confidence from his performances uh, in the singles division, at least, from his performance in teams. I, and, you know, yes, he had, a, they, he had a good partner in Breanne Chandler in the Anarchy team tournament from last year. That took, they, you know, they got a good first round win and then had a tough loss to the Harris brothers in round two. But, you know, you haven't se- we haven't seen him since then uh, because, well, I should say we did see him since then. And that was in the singles tournament against Andrako, again, round three, hitting him, hitting him kind of hard. And I think one thing that you see kind of recurring across a lot of his matches and is especially true in this match for someone of his experience seems to very quickly uh, blurt out answers, mm-hmm. which is kind of, which kind of surprises saying, yeah. me. It doesn't even necessarily matter if he would get to the right answer, but you know, you, th- you see someone like Roka, like even, I mean, you, I think there's a whole host of players in the Schmodown who are experienced, experienced players who take their time with their answer and don't get excited and blurt out the answer. And, and I don't want to say that like, Oh, if drew had just taken five seconds, he would have gotten the right answer. Cause it, it, that may not be the case, but I think that it, it's a noticeable difference, and it's happened so many times now. I can't help but notice it every time it happens, and you see that happen here. You see, you saw it happen last season, especially in singles. And, and Drew really needs, uh, really needs to get this. Um, get I don't even know what the right fr- turn of phrase would be, but he needs to get this monkey off his back. That's probably the one I was looking for there because he's he's in a spot, and it, it was interesting to see his kind of heel turn. After this match, when he's kind of on the ropes, and I'd imagine kind of like William Bibiani was this time last year, maybe a little bit later than this last year, really on on the you know kind of down and out and feeling kind of on the ropes, and so he, unlike Bibiani, who kind of channeled that energy into a ridiculous free for all performance, Drew McWeeny has decided to turn heel, and he's joined Andrew Guy and Robert Meyer Burnett in their burgeoning faction. Uh, that, I mean, who really knows what the point of their faction is other than to just exist and, and cause problems for particularly Ben Bateman, Tom Dagnino, at all? But, I mean, what do you think about this, Scott?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm thinking that maybe this faction is what McQueen needs to get back to fighting shape, get back to where he is, you know, one of the top contenders. Because as it stands, I think his singles record is like four and five or four and six. And he's way too good of a player, way too knowledgeable of a player to have a singles record that poor. Maybe having someone in his corner, again, he played his best in singles as well when he was with Sam Levine, like when he was also simultaneously going on in that team's division. So maybe having someone in his corner, whether it's Andrew Guy, you know, I I don't know if there's a potential team up there, but or maybe just, you know, having a manager in Robert Meyer Burnett, who is in his corner there, will, you know, boost his confidence and just cause him to, to play better, kind of like he did when he had Sam uh, in his corner during the above the line era. But yeah, like I said, as it stands, he's way too good to be where he is in the singles division. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if we see him make a deep run in the free for all.
0: Yeah, you know Drew McQueen is the exactly is the exact kind of person to your point that he's going to thrive in that setting like the free for all. Exactly the reason why I when I heard that Sam and, and Drew were choosing the Iron Man format for the automatic rematch, like I was like they're done. There's absolutely no way the Patriots can beat mm-hmm. people, uh, someone like Sam and, and someone like Drew in like just pure round one questions because they're absolute beasts. At it, and, and that's exactly. I think that the free for all could be really good for Drew. It, obviously, it's going to depend a lot on when, he, where he comes out in in the drawing of the numbers. If he comes out early, maybe he gets kind of the MVP and lasts the most rounds. If he draws late, maybe he can last all the way to the end uh, and, and get that automatic title shot rather than the automatic number one contender spot. But I think that that will be a good point for confidence boosting. But ultimately, kind of like Janine, I think he's going to need to win a round three, uh, win a match in round three to get some confidence uh-huh. back. I mean, and that just starts with like answering one question correctly in round three, which right now, uh, as is the evidence of that match with Riley against McQuinney, he's, he's struggling a little bit. I think it's a really interesting point that you make about whether or not you'll get a team up with, with Drew, uh, Drew Guy, to be specific. I think that that is likely in the long term. We have this match coming up, of course, between uh which we're gonna preview later, Ben Bateman, and Tom Dagnino against uh, Robert Meyer Burnett and Andrew Guy. But I think that you'll you won't see either of these teams last long term exactly like you, we're gonna see who's the boss come back with with Ben Bateman and, and Mark Riley after this match, just like I think we're gonna see Drew Guy and Drew McWeeny team up after this team's match. And and that's a combination that I'm looking forward to because I have no freaking idea what that chemistry is gonna look like. It could be so much fun to, to see that unfold on screen.
1: I want to shift gears now to talk about two, two matches of new singles competitors um, that we also had over the last month. The first match was between Diamond David Del Rio and, of course, someone who we do know from his team's play with William Bibiani, critically acclaimed, and that's Whitney Seibold making his singles debut. Scott Whitney is someone that I've been wanting to make a singles debut for a while now, he's obviously a very knowledgeable player, as he showed in his matches with Bibiani, and also you know in the free for alls. But he uh, he he came up against a very tough opponent that I knew nothing about coming into this match, uh, and ended up taking an L against someone who, again, I think could be one of the rising stars of this season in David Del Rio.
0: Yeah, I think that's a that's a great way to tee this up because I think that you know on on the face of things, if you if you lay this match out and you put it on the docket. I think that what you'd expect is you'd expect Whitney Seibold to win against any newcomer, right? And what we got instead of Whitney Seibold, instead of seeing a Whitney Seibold win, what we got is that Diamond Dave here comes in really hot and really impressive. And it won. it was a great match, I guess, first and foremost. And I think what made it even better is that I I didn't expect anything out of the match in terms of uh, Dave Del Rio's perspective, but I thought it was a persona that I really enjoyed seeing on screen. I think we will see Whitney again in the singles division because of his kind of entrenchment in the Schmodown, especially with Critically claimed, And now that they have a title shot against the Shire Wolves, we're going to see him back. It it might be a little while. It might take a strong performance at the free-for-all to get him back uh, in the singles division more quickly. I think that's kind of TBD. But that being said, to exactly your point, you know, with Diamond, Dave Del Rio pulling out this win, this win against Seibold uh, and kind of making himself relevant in the Schmodown on his first attempt. I think that's really good for the league. I Like I said, I, like I've already said, I really do like him. And I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, how he goes up against more veteran singles competitors. I mean, I would, I think that Whitney, in the long term, will be a strong singles competitor. But it'll be interesting to see you know, if he goes up against someone like an Andrejko, or someone who might just be just below that top tier of number one contenders that we see regularly, if he can prove that he's better than those players and make it up into the conversation for number one contender spots.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, for this league to continue to grow, they need, we need, you know, strong rookies coming in every year. Last year we had it with Ethan Irwin the year before that we had Rachel Cushing. So, you know, I think that it's great to see, even though, you know, I I personally like Whitney, I was probably rooting for Whitney in the match just because of the familiarity. Uh, It's great to see rookies coming in and competing because, you know, you, you got to have that new talent coming in in order for the league to continue to grow and to, to keep the competition up. Because, you know, you can only watch Irwin and Merle face off so many times before you want to see some new blood get in the ring.
0: So I don't know. What, I don't know what you're talking about. I get <laughs> face off every week Fair, But speaking of
1: new blood, uh, the other match of, of newbies that we had were two brand new competitors. Uh, Brendan Meyer, who is uh, an actor from the OA and and a few uh, movies. I actually heard him on Collider Live a few weeks ago talking about his Schmodown debut. He he was a big fan of the Schmodown, was often at the studio tapings, and Christian gave him a shot. And he played a decent match, but unfortunately for him, was up against someone else who I think could be a rookie star, and that's Paul Oyama, who was, like Chance Ellison, plucked out of the fan leagues by Christian Uh, And now I think we have a budding rivalry going on between Paul and Chance to see, you know, who's the best uh, player out of the fan leagues. Um, And I think I wouldn't be surprised if we get a match between the two of them pretty soon.
0: Most likely to join Drew Guys Faction next, it has to be Paulo Yama.
1: Definitely going for a heel feel uh, with his character, for sure.
0: Oh, for sure. And maybe the best, uh, simultaneously best and worst catchphrases of all time. Which were? Set your watches, it's prime time. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. I, uh, I, I uh, had forgotten that. There's so many
1: matches, but yeah, not not bad.
0: Yeah, no, I guess just to actually talk about the match, I think that it, it was an interesting match and in that is probably the one that I liked least over the month of February, and that's not to say it wasn't a good match, but I think these, I found Paulyama's character to be interesting, but ultimately kind of annoying. We'll see if that changes over time, because I also thought Andrew Guy and Ben Bateman were kind of annoying the first couple times I saw right. them, and then, I mean, now they're some of my favorite competitors in the league. So we'll see if Paul Young grows on me over time. But then Brendan Meyer, I don't know if we're going to see him again anytime soon. I mean, we saw – there were a couple of rookies last year who got their shot and, and kind of faded uh, just because, you know, Christian has to both keep keep the matches coming with all the people who are currently in the Schmodown and, of course, start feeding in new competitors who could potentially break their way into the Schmodown hierarchy uh, and the upper tiers. So we'll see We'll see if, we, if we'll get Brendan Meyer in another match. Maybe he'll play – You know, maybe he'll play someone like uh, – like a Whitney next or something like that. I don't know. Or maybe another rookie who's, who's coming on
1: with, with your comments on Paul Oyama, I definitely think that as he plays more matches, as he gets more used to the schmodown, uh, we'll see him perhaps refine that character and refine that persona a little bit more to where perhaps it's not as annoying to use your word, uh, but definitely a strong presence from, from the very get go,
0: which uh, you know, I guess is what you want from a new competitor. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see him against Chance in a in a live event sometime this year. Yeah,
1: that would be that'd be awesome for you know for fans, especially with both of the both of them getting their start in the fan leagues. But I, that's pretty much the news in the singles division. We'll talk a little bit about what is coming next in the singles division at the end of the show. But now I want to recap what went on in the teams division. Uh, we've really only had two matches that. Uh, count for anything there was also an exhibition match which we'll briefly talk about but you know again we've had things happening parts are moving and the biggest part that has moved is that critically acclaimed is the new number one contender i think this is something that they, they defeated the harris brothers in the first team match of the season i think this is something that honestly has been a long time coming uh critically acclaimed has been one of those teams that what you know was dubbed a powerhouse from the beginning they've only had that one loss to late to the party it which was you know a, a huge upset in the ultimate schmodown teams tournament a couple of years ago but they just haven't really gotten as many matches perhaps as you know they have deserved or a, as you would expect them to have and i think that's why their their they're getting to the number one contender spot has been delayed a bit but Uh, I think you know in in all of their matches even the late to the party match which they did put up a high score in they've showed that they have a lot of knowledge and that they complement each other very well and as good as the Shire Wolves are I think that they're going to have their hands full here when they when they do go up against critically acclaimed later this month
0: yeah it was an interesting match I guess you know I was joking before we started that the Harris brothers are an overrated team because they started really strong and then flamed out quite quickly against the likes of who's the boss and and now critically acclaimed, but you know I say that jokingly. I want to be clear because I mean these are two of the best teams in in the teams division, in my opinion. And so it's not a it's not an embarrassment to to ever lose to either of those teams. That being said, I think the Harris brothers probably are gonna we're probably gonna get some time off, but before we see them again, just to let that kind of two and two record cool off a bit. And then when they do come back, uh, they'll probably they'll probably you know get get some. Some team the like of, I don't even know, maybe even get something like the Scream Queens. Or, uh, Coru- I mean, maybe Corruption, maybe not. We'll see. But like something like the Scream Queens might be a good team for them to go up against when they do come back. Uh, I mean, I would even like something like the Padding- Paddington 2 or something like that as well, if that team is still around. Yeah. That being said, I think... I hope so. Yeah, that being said, critically acclaimed. It's such a, it's a, it is an interesting thing to point out how, how long it's taken them to get to uh, a number one contender match. And then obviously coming out of this is on the winning side to the title match itself. Because you're right, that one loss, of course, it was a round one upset loss, and so that probably set them back in terms of the perception of them. Even if you know it happens, right? Stacy Howard upsetting Baby carries. It just these are things that happen every year, and it's hard to account for them always. And so I think what you get out of that is this is a really strong team that's been probably hungry for this title shot for a really long time. And I have, you know, I haven't yet wrapped my brain around whether or not I think that they're going to come out on top. Of you know, I'll have to wrap my brain around that in the next 20, 30 minutes before we talk about the predictions for that. But I, I do think that they're going to present a formidable uh, team opponent for the Shirewolves. I don't think uh, that they'll best them, but I've often underrated William Bibiani's chances and things. Uh, and uh, he's proven me wrong before. So we'll see. And, and I think that you know, if you're going to bet the house on anything, it's that you know Whitney and, and Bibiani are, are going to be money in round one. And, you know, they're they're good for a round one lead. It's just whether or not the, that lead will hold up over time. And especially in the title match format, I, you know, I don't know. Obviously, Whitney doesn't have any experience on the buzzers, etc. But if, if we're staying on topic here and talking about this match, they were, they were pretty dominant throughout. It wasn't a blowout playing any stretch of the imagination, but I never really felt like the Harris brothers had a real shot at winning this match.
1: Yeah, and with the Harris brothers, I think what we've seen in their two back-to-back losses is that, Maybe John Harris's hot start was a little bit uh, of a fluke. Uh, not to say that you know he doesn't have a lot of movie trivia knowledge, but uh, I think he's definitely regressed a lot in the match. And I, while while Lon has still been carrying his weight, uh, I'm not sure that his brother has really held up the other end of the bargain. And uh, you know, at this point, I wonder if if JTE wouldn't have been a stronger partner for. For Lon, but who knows? You know, I think they will, you know, get another match, whether that's later or sooner. And maybe John Harris will get a chance to prove me wrong. But I think that his regression is it has coincided with with the team's regression, and I think that you know that can't be ignored,
0: right? And I do think that. I mean, one thing that can't be denied is that Lon Harris is the is the real deal. I know he lost oh, yeah. in, the, in the gauntlet in the singles tournament to Ben Bateman, but you just look at look at these performances he's putting up in the team's matches, and he's he's really good.
1: Yeah, and he'll get a, another shot in singles because he is participating in that gauntlet, and that will happen later this month. But the other big team match that we had was for a spot in Chicago to play who's the boss uh, in the in the undercard for uh, what's going to happen at the, the live event that's going to happen in Chicago at the Star Wars Celebration. And I believe that's going to be a, a number one contender match against whoever wins that Shire Wolves critically acclaimed match. But that match was between the Odd Couple and the Scream Queens. The Odd Couple, of course, uh, we had some kayfabe, some, some kayfabe that has gone on. Uh, of course, the Fife Club was forced to break up because uh, of Emma Fife becoming the team's and inner geekdom commissioner. Christian had to step in and say that she could no longer manage the Fife Club because there couldn't be any perceived bias, which of course is understandable. But Disappointing, nevertheless, to you know, big fans of the Five Club, people who own Five Club T-shirts, like myself. But they certainly had an amazing year in 2018 that will will not be forgotten. But because of this, Mark Andrico, um has been looking for a new manager, and he found one pretty quickly. Actually, actually, in Roxy Stryer, who was his team's manager for the Odd Couple in the Anarchy tournament, and she will now be managing this team. Both both Mark and Jeff Snyder, of course. And I'm excited about this because have, have really uh, become a fan of Roxy from watching Collider Live. But she's never been a huge part of the Schmodown. Even when she was involved with the DC movie news thing, she wasn't really around. She didn't have like a ton to do. But I think she, we're going to see a lot more of her because of the following that she's developed a little bit from her her shows on Collider Live. There there does seem to be a lot of overlap between the the live fan base and the the Schmodown fan base. So I think. We'll see more of Roxy in the Schmodown, and that's something I'm excited about and something she'll be excited about is that her team was able to win this match and hand the Scream Queens their first loss uh, and, and will be headed to Chicago again, another team with with two guys who maybe uh, on the surface don't seem like they would complement each other well, but are playing very well and uh, and at their best are, are two of the best in the league and you know Jeff Snyder has been a team champion before and Draco. Amazingly, has never won a belt, but I think he's got a good shot, too, with, with Snyder by his side.
0: Yeah, the odd couple, aptly named I mean, Of course, everyone's making that joke since they announced their team name last year in the Anarchy Tournament, and it's, they are an odd couple, right? Absolutely. They have a very weird chemistry, but they both know how to play the game of movie trivia down, and they play it well. And Ultimately, their team uh, together did, did best the Scream Queens. I think what you see with the scream queen queens, with between Haley Fouch and is it Kaelin Corrigan? Is that her name? Yes. Yeah, I, I think that what you see. and I, I do want to caveat this first by saying Jeff Snyder, you know, kept the team alive in the in the, at least in the first round between him and And I think that he got seven points and And got like three in the first yeah, round. Yeah,
1: Draco struggled.
0: Yeah, And had a rough first round, and and I think that was somewhat mirrored on the other side of the table with Haley and 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 primarily that. As we've seen across all three of their matches, Haley is a very strong competitor in the league, and Kalen is one who is not a weak competitor. But you know, when you put her on a table with these other three people, um, even though Andrico did again, I am noting that Andrico kind of had a poor first round, or at least a sub a substandard first round for his standards. And you know, you see the kind of the lack in in talent and in the schmodown at the very at the highest level, right? You know, if you're competing for a number one contender spot, these are going to be very competitive matches. And I think ultimately, uh, kind of like how we maybe saw with uh, with uh, John Harris, so you, you might you might see a little uh-huh. bit of flavors of that with Calen Corrigan as well. And, and I mean, I'm not I'm not directly comparing the two the two players, but I, I do think that, you know, Haley is is a superior competitor and, and she's proven that. And it'll be interesting to see if, you know, with a little bit of studying a little bit more time, time, you know, watching movies, uh, studying et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, if Caitlin can can it get up to that next tier of competitor and really make the Scream Queens competitive in the highest level of the Schmodown.
1: Yeah, you know, this was their first really tough match, I think you would say. I think they had, you know, matches against the Garden Hosers, who, you know, probably a team will never see again, and then only stupid answers, which they're a solid team, but they're really not going to ever make a lot of noise in the team's division. And so I think this one was kind of a wake-up call for them, you know, to, to say, hey, like, if you want to— get to the upper echelon, especially in the case of Kaylin, as you're pointing out, maybe you need to, to bone up in a few areas, because I think maybe what we see with her is that she has very specific subsets of knowledge, but maybe not quite the generalized knowledge that it takes to compete with a, a team like Andrejko and, and Snyder. But I, they're a solid team. Haley Fauch is a very good player, and I have no doubt we will see more of them going forward.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, it's, it's totally fine. It, it And we've seen it happen before. Someone who, you know, realizes their weak points and, and goes and works on them. Like Kalinowski is the best example of that yeah. from last season. Uh, you know, he recognized weaknesses that he had. He went in there, got committed, he studied, and he came back and he ended up, you know, the the end of year intergeekdom champion. And I'm not saying that that's going to necessarily be what happens in the case of Kalen. And, and, you know, maybe, you know, she's in a place with her professional life and other things she's doing outside the down where it, she doesn't have that time to devote. And you know what? That's okay, too. That's okay. It's just recognizing, you know, where you are in the league, I think is probably an important thing for the Scream Queens.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and finally, speaking of where people are in the league, uh, we had a Legends match in the uh, exhibition match for January, which personally I really enjoyed. I, I would really enjoy if they did a few more of these Legends matches in the future, get some teams back together that haven't played in a while, You know, maybe pull someone out of retirement. But I think that uh, th- this was a really fun first one to do. We had the Patriots, uh, Jeff Snyder and, and JTE, Going up against Team Schmoes, uh, of course. Christian and Mark haven't seen them play in over a year uh, together, and you know, I think I, I was interested to see how they would perform. With you know, Christian being pretty disappointing in that in that Commissioner Bowl, and then Ellis, you know, prior to his stepping away, he had lost his last two matches uh, to Snyder and, and Stacey Howard. But man, they uh, they clicked right off the bat again, and. It, this was a fun match to watch. The Patriots came out and got had a perfect second round, uh, and it kind of looked like they might bury the Schmoes. And the Schmoes came right back and had a perfect second round of their own. And ultimately, the Patriots did just come out on top. But uh, this was an entertaining match, and I think both teams proved that the you know the old veterans still have some gas left in the tank.
0: Yeah, and, and it's just to talk about these exhibition matches at a high level. Like every single one of them has been a banger. I mean, I can't even yeah. think of a of a su- of like a poor of a low quality, uh, ten dollar tier exhibition match that we've gotten. And you're absolutely right. This is no exception. I think that it's it's always a treat. I mean, we saw it last year when we had Harloff against Ellis as the exhibition match. It's it's a treat to see Harloff and Baby Carrots come out there, and it, and it's even more of a treat when you have to see them team up against the Patriots. I like Jeff Snyder, uh, you know, as much as I think anyone can like Jeff Snyder, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I can not understand. as much as
1: Jeff Snyder likes Jeff Snyder, but
0: yeah, I should say as much as any person who's not Jeff Snyder can like Jeff yeah. Snyder, because, um, you know, I actually am quite, I am a fan of the end Snyder, uh, both in the Schmodown and outside the Schmodown uh, he's, he's a good follow on Twitter, but yeah, yeah, I, who knows? I think that you're probably right. They probably are playing at the kayfabe because I think that, you know, at the end of the day, Snyder may have a grading personality, and JT maybe JTE, but I think these guys are pretty nice and get along up. Yeah,
1: I would definitely agree with that.
0: Um, but and- to, I guess before we move on, I would just say to, to kind of close the book on this, it was a really entertaining match. I think you summed it up really well. Uh, it was fun to see these teams back on the desk together. And, I mean, there's nothing else I want to say except, you know, be a patron. Even if you're seeing this match two weeks mm-hmm. late, right, um, it's worth it for the, for the dollar. And, you know, if you can get all the way to the $10 level, it's even better because you'll get it two weeks early.
1: And for future Legends matches, if this is something they decide to do again, I just want to say I would love to see the Mega Powers, Makuga and Finstock, make a return. I think that that would be uh, pretty hilarious. Definitely one of the funniest teams uh, to ever play in the Schmodown, even though they were they were pretty bad. But again, I would love to see them make a return if they want to make these Legends matches a thing.
0: Hey, it, it's the match. It's, you know, you showed me one of their matches to get. So.
1: When they played the wangers, Hey, would love to see the wangers come back to cop. Copster hasn't played a match in a long time. And I enjoyed watching the, the commentary from this month with him and Ellis going all the way back to that first o- ultimate showdown was, uh, was pretty entertaining, but yeah, let's move on now to the intergeekton division. Of course, this is the most recent division that we've gotten a match in. And that match is what some are calling the greatest match of all time. and, well, I don't know that I'm there yet. I think maybe that could be a bit of recency bias, people saying that. Uh, may, maybe, you know, in the future, I'll look back and say that, that it was, in fact, the GOAT. It was, no doubt, an amazing match uh, with a ton of twists and turns between Mike Kalinowski, Rachel Cushing. This was the main event of the first ever Schmodown Throwdown. And Rachel finally got that inner geekdom belt. But, man, she, did she have to climb a hill to get there?
0: You know, Scott, I, I, I'm going to have to wait a few months. To see whether where it shakes out in greatest match of all time for me, but it certainly is in the conversation. This match is amazing. I think it's the best title match that I've seen, uh, hands down, I think already. I don't, I don't even know if that's recency bias. I think the, I know I, I do say that the Who's the Boss Shire Wolves title match from, you know, the main event of, well, I, I guess it wasn't technically the main event, but one of the main events from the, um, oh my God. Yeah, that was on spectacular uh, last year. You know, that was a great title match, but this this eclipses that for me, and it, it actually eclipses it by, by quite a bit, because this is an absolutely spectacular match. To see Rachel Cushing, it felt like she was dominating the first round, even though Mike still hit eight points. He was only three points behind, or did she miss the extra point, the bonus question? She got it, didn't she?
1: I think she did, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: So he's three points down going into round two. You know, he missed two questions early, which is what made it feel like he had fallen behind, so he was two points down. Early on in round one, but you know he kept his head down and he absolutely pushed through it. So, I mean, you know maybe Mike this time last year would have been rattled by and just absolutely fallen apart. He didn't. He kept his head down. He stayed in the game. Round two, he struggled. Uh, he fell behind even further. I think he was probably. I think he was down by eight points at the end of round two because seven
1: or eight. Yeah. yeah,
0: seven or eight points at the end of round two because Rachel had an absolutely dynamite, dynamite round two, and and Mike um, struggled a little bit maybe with DC. Was it DC EU? Was this category? I think, I was think a, it
1: was ju- ju- just DC. Oh no, no, you're right. I think it was DCEU. I, I
0: it was it was something DC related and, and yeah. I think Rachel got a steal on him on the very first question, mm-hmm. which again, happening so early in the round it makes you feel like you're even further back, but you know, being seven or eight points down at any point in a match is a lot, right? And you know, even it, it does help that you that, you know you had three rounds left and it helps because Mike took advantage of it. He got DCEU again in round 3 in the betting round. He played a little bit conservative in bet two. Rachel clearly feeling it from her performance because she, I don't know if she'd even missed a question yet uh, in the match, but she bid three, just missed it. It was a tough question. I did know the answer, and I was i was kind of surprised that she didn't know the answer, to be honest. But, um, you know, it, it happens, right? And you can't know every question uh, every time unless you're Dan Merle. And I think that that, that kind of buoyed Mike because he got five points back right there. So he's going, you know, he's down three going into the speed round. and. He gets he hits the buzzer before her on every single question in the speed round and levels things up going in to the final round because he missed one by just a second. Like, he, they, you know, they said that he had taken too long to answer the question and, you know, it was right on the tip of his tongue. I thought it was such a close call there because if uh-huh. it had gone the other way, he would have been two points up going into that final round, which would have been unfathomable just a couple minutes before that and ultimately would have led to him winning the match because in round in round five, you know, of course, you know the, the typical round three, you get an absolute showdown. You know they're 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 tied going into that last round. They trade two pointer, three pointer, and five pointer. It was absolutely insane. And then one letter. You know we joked last season, or maybe it wasn't even a joke, about how good you have to be in this in this division. You know in all in this in the movie trivia, Shmad. Of course, we were talking about the singles division specifically. Then when that happened, but Clark Wolf missing out on you know a, a chance at the at the title belt at the singles belt um, in in the finals against Ethan Irwin by saying South Side with with me or Southside I forget, see now. Southside with is, me, yeah. Southside with me is what she said and Southside yeah. with you is the movie. Yes. Got sir. it. And this one's even even closer. One letter. One letter. One vowel at the end of the word uh, on a Star Wars trivia question. You know, got it for Rachel and lost it for Mike. And it's just an absolutely insane. I'm like, I'm getting so hyped just talking about it.
1: Yeah. And to circle back, I believe Rachel did get that bonus question because I believe that was the question from Harry Potter about what page something was on in the text. Oh,
0: yeah. Which yeah, is yeah, insane right.
1: that she could possibly know that. But she did. But yeah, I mean,
0: I well, think- Scott, OK, yeah, yeah. for the Harry Potter nerd, I knew that question instantly. Okay. I mean, she did as well. I'd love to do a. I'd love to do an Ironman match with <laughs> myself, Emma Fife, and Rachel Cushing. And I might lose. I don't know. I, I if I if I studied, maybe I'd do better. But I think you. I've, I've read you'd, those books too many times. I
1: think you'd lose. I know a lot, but I think I, I know you know a lot, but I think I think you'd lose. But yeah, I, I think we have known this is coming for a long time. Right, at Rachel Cushing winning the winning the Intergeekdom belt, like ever since she debuted in this division, she has had the skills to 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 win the title. Like she has been title material from the beginning, but I think she just had some bad luck, right? She, you know, that match against Mara, you can't say anything bad about what she did in that, you know, match. It just came down to the 10th round of sudden death or whatever. And then going back even further, you know, some of those first matches she played in were the three-way and five-way matches, which, you know, sometimes it, it doesn't matter how well you play. It's just the sort of the convoluted format can, uh, can mess you up a little bit. And I think she fell victim to that,
0: but I'm glad we've moved away from the five yeah, ways. I'm not going to lie.
1: I think that, you know, because of those, you know, setbacks, it felt even more satisfying to see her lift the belt because this is really the division. I think she's put the most time into the one she's cared most about getting the belt in and, you know, to see her when it was great. And I think, you know, Christian said it that she's, she's been, in in her own way has been a role model for you know female fans of the the schmodown and, and we saw christian's daughter uh make an appearance there in the uh post-match interview and that's just one example i think of how rachel her influence has moved beyond just inside the schmodown ring but you know to the fan community as well
0: it's it i i'm not saying that everyone loves rachel cushing uh who watches the schmodown i'm sure there are people out there who don't like her but I don't understand people who don't love her. She's amazing. She's such an exemplary role model. Just, I mean, I mean, seemingly as a person. Obviously, I don't know her outside the Schmodown, But like on screen, she's an exemplary role model. And I think to your point, absolutely, she's an inspiration to female fans of the Schmoe Down. And to take it a step further, I think she's a fe- she's an inspiration to female players in the Schmoe Especially, you know, between her and Clark Wolf, the, I mean, there are few fewer more inspirational figures. Uh, period. And, and then particularly so for female players in the league.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But Rachel's win was not the only, you know, big moment that we had in the InterGeekdom division because like in the singles division, we also had a big debut, perhaps maybe the the splashiest debut so far of someone in this season. And that was Kevin Smets, who debuted against David Moore, another rookie in an InterGeekdom match. And much like Mara Kanopic did in her first InterGeekdom match last year, uh really just sort of set the Schmodown community on fire with a pretty electric performance um only missing one or two questions i believe the the whole match and he's already uh being challenged by Jay Washington which i think not perhaps not the smartest move by Jay but i think you know m- maybe this is is Rachel is the next you know person to challenge Rachel and Mike with with Mara out of the picture at least for the time being
0: yeah i think that this is this is the rising star in the Like I'm not saying there won't be another one that comes along this year if Christian digs one up and puts one into the Schmodown. But Kevin Smets seems like the real deal. You, you know, last year when we saw Ethan Irwin, and also Mark Knopic, but I think this is true for me when I saw Ethan Erwin, I was like, oh shit, this guy is this guy is the real deal. I, Kevin Smets is clearly the real deal. His, you know, his. I'm, we'll see how his Winter Soldier character develops uh, o- over time. I think that's kind of it's a weird, interesting. Character, I'm not quite sure what direction that's going to go and whether that gets uh, boring slash stale really quickly. But, you know, Christian's all over that kind of stuff, and he's going to – I'm sure he'll do something to keep that interesting. But, I mean, his talent in the in the league and in, uh, on the desk or, uh, on, uh, you know, in, in the showdown is, is clear. It'll be interesting to see if there's – if he has a category weakness, what that is, if he ever hits it on the wheel. Clearly, the he, he spun movie release dates, and he was excited. <laughs> um, yeah. And that was something to see, you know, to your point, I think he missed, he definitely missed one question because he missed that question at the end of round two, the last movie release dates question that was which movie came out first or what, I can't remember exactly which it was, but not a traditional Mm -hmm. movie release dates question. He missed that one because if he had gotten that right, it would have been a knockout. But he might have missed another question as well, and honestly, I don't remember. But yeah, I mean, the guy's going to be, the guy's going to be the real deal. Do we, I mean, he's playing Jane next, which... Honestly, I don't put much stock in as as a true litmus test for what he's going to be capable of. But that being said, you know, besides the obvious people of you know Mike and um, Mike, Mike and Rachel, of course, because we don't have uh, as of right now, at least we don't have uh, Inman or Mara in the league anymore. Obviously, Mara is going to be probably a more permanent departure. And we'll see if Inman makes his way back next season, later this season, whatever it might be. Because Adam Lavick, to me, he's a good competitor, but he feels comfortably uh, second tier in the, in the schmodown for me. I don't ever see him getting a title shot, to be honest. I just don't think that he has the, he has the talent. Mark Donica, it'll, when he does make his way back and plays another InterGeekdom match, I, I don't know if it's his scheduling or what it is going on right now, but it'll be interesting to see what he brings to the table when he does come back. He obviously he was very open and, and candid about his mental health and the Shmodown, uh issues last year when he lost in the InterGeekdom tournament to Mike. And I think that he's probably... It was probably good that he didn't appear in the second half of the season. Well, I guess I should say the second, the like kind of the final third of the season last year, other than supporting his, well, at the time, his Lions Den teammates. But uh, I'm glad he got some time off for his own mental health, and I hope he comes back stronger for it this year. Because although I didn't particularly like his character, and I never really rooted for him in a match, he is probably the third best talent outside of uh, Kevin Smets. Uh, and then, of course... Uh, outside of Rachel and Mike, he's the third best veteran talent in the league, I should say. Uh, and so I think that you know, if if Kevin, or I should say, if and when Kevin beats uh, Jay Washington, and maybe I'm wrong by saying that, but if and when he does beat the Urban Gladiator, I think his next matchup is going to be against either Mike or it's going to be against Mark Donica here. And we'll see. We'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, maybe Hector Navarro is another name if he decides to come back. Who? Um, you know, could could get himself back in there. He was the Intergeekdom champion at one point. But I think you're right. I think right now Smets is, even after just one match, seems to be the clear front runner as to who's going to be the next challenger up to face, you know, to, to, to be in the same league as Rachel and Mike. But yeah, so that's basically what has gone on. A lot to talk about there, but a lot of exciting stuff. And We have a lot more exciting stuff coming in March, and I want to talk before we close out this episode about some of the big events that we're going to have um, in over the next three or four weeks. First of all, a team match that we've already alluded to: Ben Bateman and Tom Dagnino going up against Andrew Guy and Robert Meyer Burnett. This will be tomorrow, actually. You know, the day after we're recording this on Monday, we will, at least for for patrons who are at the tier that we are, uh, we will find out. Uh, who's going to win this match, this stipulation match, since Ben and Drew are unable to play against each other in a singles match, but Emma did allow them to play uh, the team's match. This is k- kind of reminiscent of last year when Ken and Tom played a team's match against uh, the Shirewolves in the Shirewolves' debut match. I don't know, you know how much significance this match will have, but we will get to see Ben Bateman and Andrew Guy going up against each other for the first time and, you know, Seeing Tom Dagnino in the ring is always an experience. But who do you like in this match, Scott?
0: You know, I like I like Ben and Tom. I don't. I've never seen RMB uh, duke it out. And I, has he even played a non uh, a non match? I don't know what that's yeah, going to so, be like.
1: so he played in a five way singles qualifier match uh, two years ago And the for the Ultimate Schmodown, There was a a five way match for the last spot in the ultimate schmodown singles and he played in it and he lost to Jason Edman and he wasn't the first competitor knocked out I don't think but he you know it, it came down to Edman and Ben Bateman so he wasn't really in the in the hunt either got it
0: that's interesting i think that i don't really see him i don't necessarily see him outperforming but you know what he's been gone from the schmodown for a while and yes ring rust is a thing but it also may have allowed him to study up for this match so we'll see I think that this is this is a match more for entertainment than for talent. Although I do think, of course, Ben Bateman particularly is probably the the most talented person at the table in this match, and I'm excited to see him back, uh, if nothing else, because as you know, Scott Ben, one of if not my favorite player in the league. But I, if I had to if I had to make a choice, I'm going to go with Ben and Tom just because I I think you know Tommy I mean, Tom's a total wild card. I mean, who who the hell knows what's going to happen with him? But I think Ben Ben's level headedness will hopefully pull them through.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I think that Tom, you know, he's obviously not a great player, but I don't think he gets enough credit because, you know, he'll put up some points in the match. Like, he will get questions right, and, you know, we saw that commissioner bowl. He almost won. If he had not, uh, you know, I, I, can't, I forget what exactly the question was, but I think it was another sort of misspeak or David Ayer
0: he, versus David Ayer's.
1: Right. He would have won the commissioner bowl, and so I think he can't be taken lightly as much as perhaps maybe he would want to be taken lightly, and. Yeah, I agree. I think, again, we talked about ring rust. I think it's a real thing, and, and Burnett hasn't played a match in a long time. Um, so I, I like Ben and Tom to, to come out on top in this one. We also have, uh, in the singles division, we, we've also alluded to it early on in the episode, but the, the gauntlet that we have going on. So basically, this is to find out who the next number one contender will be, who is going to challenge uh, Dan Merle? who's going to be the first person to challenge Dan Murrell, we're going to get two matches. Uh, first of all, one between uh, William Bibiani and Lon Harris. And then we're going to get one between John Rocha and Mark Andrico. The winners of those two matches will then face Ethan Irwin in a triple threat match. And the winner of that will be the number one contender. Scott, who do you like to come out of this whole uh, gauntlet when the dust
0: clears? Yeah, first off, I got to say, I actually really like this format. I, you know, I mentioned earlier that I'm happy they were doing away with the five ways, which I stand by, but I like this idea of a uh, gauntlet for a triple threat number one contender, primarily because I think there's just so much good talent in the singles pool right now. And so I think it's a great format for Bibiani versus Lawn, I think Lawn's going to win that. I know that's maybe, uh, maybe he's, I think he's definitely the the uh, underdog there, but I do think Lon based on t- probably getting some confidence from his very strong team performances and just, you know, a, a hard a hard luck loss to Ben Bateman in that gauntlet last year. I think he's gonna come back stronger this season and I think he's gonna beat Bibiani. I think Bibiani's gonna get pushed to the pushed to the third round limit here. And I think that the third round blues uh might might strike again for, for Bibbs who hasn't had to answer many final round questions uh in, in recent memory. And of course he he did for his title shot and, and his title defense, but uh, it's you know he's thrived more in situations where he's been knocking people out, not having to answer third round questions.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with I'm if, with you. I think Lon Harris uh, will will win this match. I think he has probably been doing a little bit of studying since that uh, ultimate Schmodown disappointment that he had against Ben Bateman. So I like him to get past Bibiani in that one.
0: Yeah, and then for the second gauntlet match, Roca and And You know, b- based on what I saw with the Odd Couple, I mean. I hope Mark and Draco puts up a better showing in the singles match, because if not, Roka is going to walk all over him, because there's, you know, again, as someone who came into the Schmodown uh, universe at the end, you know, at the beginning of season five, really, I never saw Roka in his quote unquote prime. But that being said, just from last season, uh, on the evidence of last season, the guy, the guy wants it more than anyone mm-hmm. else in the singles league you know, with, with Kalinowski out of the singles division, I would say John Rocco wants singles titles as bad as Mike Kalinowski wanted the Interdictum belt. And that means John Rocco will be have, have been setting his ass off. Mark Draco at the end of last season looked absolutely exhausted. He looked more refreshed, of course, in his team's match last week, but he needs to be a little bit sharper. Of course, that team's match might have been the opportunity he needed to kind of shake off any rust and, and sharpen his, you know, sharpen his pencil a little bit and get ready for the singles division. I do think John Rocco is going to come out on top here, but I don't think you can count Draco out. I think that that teams that that first round performance in the team match uh, from last week or the week before, whenever it was, I think that that will be a wake up call to him, and so we'll see a better performance in the singles match. I just don't know if it'll be enough to to outperform Roca.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think Roca wins this one for you know for a lot of the reasons that that you have suggested. I think that especially with Merle being the champion, Roca is going to want to get back uh, to, to that number one contender spot and face off against Merle because they have played some iconic matches in the past. You know, that was how Roka won his first title was beating Merle, but he lost that title when Merle took it back from him. So they, they have a lot of history, even though now they're, you know, sa- in the same faction with each other. Roca probably wants to to try and prove himself against the so-called GOAT because I think Roka would probably tell you he's definitely in that consideration for the GOAT as well. Uh, so I like Roka, <laughs> to to get past Andraco here, but I agree, don't count out Andraco's. Next thing which we need to discuss coming up is the team title match. We again alluded to it early on. Critically acclaimed Shire Wolves. I think it's going to be a very close match. I think, you know, you you hinted earlier that you think the Shire Wolves will come out on top. Do you stand by that?
0: I do. I can definitely see some scenarios where they don't come out on top, but I think that they will. I think that Clark and Rachel, I mean, so first off, Clark coming off in a fantastic uh, season five last year, fantastic twenty eighteen. You, you know, you just have to watch some of the the showdown awards show to, to understand how great of a year that she had. I think that yeah, we haven't seen her yet, but it's been much needed time off for Clark. I think you know she had a very strong final match in the in the team match last last year, but in the singles division, she looked a little bit she looked a little bit tired, like she needed a break, and she's gotten that break. And I hope that we, I think we're gonna see a sharp Clark. Uh, more focused Clark when we come back. And I should say even more focused Clark than last season because these are not two competitors who will ever take a match lightly. They will take this match just as seriously as every other match that they've played against any competitor, and, and even more particularly so because it's been a title match. And I think that they're going to want to prove that they can still retain the belt even without their manager, Emma Five. right? I mean, no one's saying that Emma Five won them a belt, but I think for them it was always... I mean, in, in, in a lot of ways, I think Emma Five was their rock and she she helped them prepare for all their team matches. She helped them with, you know, with buzzers, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so it's going to, I think it's a big deal to these women to continue to not just retain the belt for their own sake, but also to prove to everyone that um, they can still do it in another season and they can still do it without their manager. And so I think that you're going to see Clark really ready. And then Rachel, uh, we'll see how fast she can shift gears from the live event against Mike and in that inner geekdom title match to the broader categories within, you know, the, the wider singles and teams division here that might be where this match kind of lives and dies, because I think you know what to expect from Bibbs and from Whitney. It's it's how fast Rachel can transition to the team's division from the inner geek team I trust Rachel to do that personally, but you know if, if there is a weakness, it might be there.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you, and I think that's why I will give the nod to Critically Acclaimed, not to take anything away from the Shirewolves, incredible team. I will be rooting for them in this match 100%. But I, I do wonder if Rachel's focus on inner geekdom might, you know, hamper this team just a little bit when it comes to this this team title match and then their focus on this team title match. But, you know, at the same time, they're so good. Like, it, it's hard to imagine them getting rattled or getting distracted by anything. And we have seen Bibiani struggle in that final round. So it, it's going to be, again, like I said, it's going to be a great match. I feel like it's going to come down to the last question or two. but. I think just based on momentum, maybe right now I'll I'll, uh, I'll give a slight advantage to critically acclaimed, but won't be surprised to see either team win.
0: I th- I think that one one thing is a good point, and this is a question mark, not not to go in one team's favor the other, but how much time there is between the live event that we saw for the Schmidt Throwdown and to when this title match is recorded, right? Because this isn't a lot al- part of a live event here, so it, it's a question mark of when how much time is there between. You know, February 20, whatever it was that this live, well, I think the 23rd is when it happened. And when the match is recorded for a for a Monday, March 18th release date for the title ma- for the team title match, it's probably a week, two weeks difference there. I mean, maybe three weeks at the very, very most. Yeah, the longer the time there is, the, the better it is for Rachel. And the, But obviously, it, we don't know the answer to that question. I mean, someone knows the answer to that question out there because they're recording it in the studio uh but we'll see. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh
1: and finally before we wrap up, I know it's kind of a hard thing to predict, but the live event for March is going to be my favorite event of any Schmowdown season and that's the free for all and to to put the cherry on top it's going to be live this uh this year and I have to just say Christian has is still trying to get people to buy tickets the free for all. And personally, I think it's crazy that this thing is not sold out based on where we live in the country and especially where I live um, on the East coast. We we're lo- we're going to be lucky if we get like one live event at all this year. And so for LA to have gotten multiple live events and now getting what is probably the event of the season and not being able to sell it out is, is frustrating for, you know, people like us who, you know, we'd give anything to be able to be there regardless, uh, I think it's going to be a great event, regardless of how many people are in attendance. I, I don't know if it's it's too much of a stretch to ask for your winner, but who are some people you think we should look out for in the free-for-all?
0: Yeah, no, I think it's, to your point, exactly right. I mean, Scott, I was so close to buying plane tickets out to LA, getting a VIP pass because it's my birthday weekend. So I was, I was so close to treating myself and then uh, just didn't have a friend never got back to me on whether or not he would be in town that weekend for me to stay with him. And that was ultimately killed the deal. So it's not going to happen now. But man, I was I was so close to going out there because it's, I mean, the theater is so nice that they're having this in. It's not the El Portal, which is which is a nice theater, don't get me wrong, which is the theater they had all the live events in LA last uh-huh. season. But it's even nicer theater this year. Uh, and then to have the, the free-for-all, you know, I'm, I'm in agreement with you, the marquee event of the season in terms of entertainment value for a viewer. <laughs> it's absolutely insane. Uh, that being said, they haven't sold out Chicago yet either. So it's not like it's... Uh, phenomenon here i think a lot of times it's that it's uh scheduling can be difficult right scheduling can be difficult if you already have plans that the farther out that they, they announce these dates the better of course and um but for me absolutely if you know you know that i would have been at the new york live event scott if i hadn't literally days before committed to <laughs> other plans when i found out about it uh, but no yeah you know if it makes it back out to the east coast or if it make if there is a weekend that makes sense for me to go you know i even thought about going to chicago scott for the for the Star Wars celebration event, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm, I still might, but I probably won't. But yeah, you know, to, I guess to talk about the free for all, you're right. You know, we've talked about several competitors already who are kind of people to watch out for and that they are, you know, behemoths in round one, Bibiani, McWheezy. These aren't like underdog picks by any stretch of the imagination. I think that Chance Ellison could be someone to be watch yeah. out for in the free for all if, if he's there. I think Mike Kalinowski. If he does it and if he studies any single kind of general trivia at all, which he hasn't been, I, I acknowledge that uh, he could be someone i up for. You just, to me, when I think about people who are going to be successful in the free for all, you got to think about the people who are, who just absolutely crush round one. Right. And that's, and that's kind of what my, my brain kind of gears toward there. So I think chance is a, is a good candidate for that. I, I'm sure there's some obvious ones I'm missing. I think, did Rachel compete last season in the free for all? I feel like she had a tough go of it.
1: She did, but she, yeah, she didn't make it very far.
0: Yeah, I think she could be someone out there. Of course, I mean, a name we haven't mentioned really yet since the very beginning of the episode, but Ethan Irwin, I mean, a, a guy yeah. who, it, it all depends on where you come out. You know, if you come out at the beginning, any one of these players of could be, you know, the MVP like Bibiani was last year, or if you know your name's pulled at the end, um, you know, you just have to last a few rounds and you're, all of a sudden you have the title the title shot. So a lot of it just depends on the number that you draw out of the half at the beginning and I'm, you know, this is an event that I'm, I have fond memories of watching with you uh, last season we stayed up so late watching it uh, when it came out that night, and something I really enjoyed. And I'm really looking, I'm really excited about a rules change they have for this year for the free for all. And that's not that it's a, the sorry, it's a, it's a fight to the finish, last um, man and, standing. Yeah, yeah, last man standing at the final table because you know I loved the free for all last year, but my one complaint would be that it felt super underwhelming when you know yeah. that last round happened. Not because Brienne won, because I thought it was amazing that Brienne won, but all of a sudden. It was just whoever had the most points at the table won, and it was over. And it felt it just felt like not the right finish. It felt like there was more, in, like anticipation was still building, but then it was over.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. It was it was definitely a bit anticlimactic, and I think that this free for all, this rule change, will uh, will sort of help that problem. I mean, of course, the first free for all did have sort of that last man standing moment when Sam Levine cleared the table right prior to the last competitor being introduced and it just ended up being a one-on-one then for the last round between him and Tom Dagnino. So yeah, uh, that, I think that that'll obviously make things more exciting. A couple other names, I guess I would throw out there, Alonzo Duralde, if he try if he decides to play, um, I think is someone who has show, showed he is very knowledgeable with the Paddington Two, And he had in the first free for all, he, he had a very solid run probably went eight, nine rounds. Um, and I think again, with round one level questions, He's definitely someone who can hang uh, and maybe Stacey Howard as well. You know, we haven't really talked about her very much, but she is joined. She has joined up with corruption. She's uh, disbanded from Jay Washington's Viper squad and is now joined up with with Mike Kalinowski and Ken Knapsack and Chance and everything that's going on over there. Um, so maybe, you know, that's what she needs to sort of get her swagger back and, and maybe we'll see. Her makes some noise. She did have a decent run last year in the in the free for all. She I forget who it was that she knocked out, but she knocked out one or two big names I remember when when she got in there. So someone else to look out for. But you know, whatever happens, it's gonna be a great event. And I, I just can't wait for it. I hope Baby
0: Carrots competes again this year. Oh, that'd That's be awesome. And I want Jen Sturger on the I want Jim Sturger at the at the on the mic. I for, want Jen uh, Sturger the in day. the ring.
1: Christian was yeah, saying yeah. the other day that he was in talks with somebody that if he was able to get them, that people were just going to absolutely lose their mind when they came out. So I, I can't think of who it would be, but I hope that he's able to close the deal on that and, and we'll get to find out who that is.
0: Yeah. And before we wrap up to talk about Stacey Howard, bring her up, I really hope that Gray Drake joins corruption and then partners <laughs> with Stacey Howard in, the new te- in a new team.
1: Oh yes. The, uh, the redheads that would, that would be, that'd be pretty awesome. Uh, I, I do enjoy Gray Drake, but also with her her role over at Rotten Tomatoes, I know she's she's kept very busy as well. So,
0: hey, this is on Saturdays now. There's no excuses. They're not recording on Fridays anymore. That's very true. And you, I, I've seen her in like I don't know if it's like behind the scenes videos or I've seen her yeah, like she, on, on the set. She's often around.
1: She was at the spectacular, I believe.
0: I don't even care if they actually ever compete. I just want to announce that Drunk Gray Drake is joining Corruption <laughs> and teaming up with Stacy Howard. That would that'd
1: be a fun team. I, I think you're onto something there. But, yeah, so I think that should just about do it for our first official episode of the Champs Lunch podcast. We hope you guys have enjoyed this uh, run through the last month in the Schmodown. We look forward to, to keeping this going and for future months. Scott, where can our listeners find you on Twitter? At shelton2013. And I'm at Dent. Always love talking Schmodown, so... If you've enjoyed the show, feel free to you know hit us up there and also hit us up on our overall podcast Twitter, which is at mediaplugpods Pods. Uh, there you can find out the latest about Champs Lunch, as well as our other podcast, which is Some Like It Scott. We're going to be switching things up a little bit with Some Like It Scott, going to a weekly rather than bi-weekly format, having some shorter episodes, but we'll be reviewing all the latest movies there. So if you've enjoyed this episode of Champs Lunch, I hope we hope that you will check out what some like it Scott has to offer too, because you have a lot more episodes to dive into there. And uh, you know we're excited to to continue along with that. We also hope that uh, in addition to rating, reviewing, and subscribing to uh, our Media Plug Pods feed or some like it Scott feed, that you will uh, look at our take take a look at our Patreon page and, and consider supporting us over on Patreon uh, Media Plug Pods once again. Yeah, we we uh we hope that you will uh will check us out over there and check us out uh, wherever wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean. Yeah, we we hope you've enjoyed this, and we look forward to the future champs lunch episodes. But until then, enjoy the schmodown down. Uh, I've been Scott Harvey for Scott Shelton. Uh, we'll see you next time.
0: Champs lunch.